Wine back, was it the year before that we took over from Ben and Janelle? Was it the year before that? I've lost track of it. But we took over from Ben and Janelle who did a fantastic job with our young people and maybe we had, I don't know, at our first meeting that we ran, five, because maybe they were scared of us, I don't know. Uh, But then, you know, gradually increased and then at the start of this year we had a dozen. By the end of this year, I think our biggest night was close to 20, which was so cool. And uh, some of them have been coming along um, on a Sunday, which is nice as well, but a lot of them, that's their church. That's when they get to come and hear about Jesus. And so I thought, youth is going so great. We need to show the church how we do youth. So Merry Christmas to me. I want to ask you a question. Now, this is not a rhetorical question. This is a question you can answer. And when you answer, big voice, so that the little microphone there and the people at home uh, that can't see us right now (laughs) can uh, join in. So uh, let's go. What do you look forward to the most at Christmas? Okay, so just, no, no, this is what youth do. They all talk at once. You've got to put your hand up, okay? Because this is youth. Uh, so you've got to, okay, what was yours? Family. Family. You love family? Family. Family. Celebrating, Celebrating Jesus. Family. family. Time off work. <laughs> awesome. Uh, you're secretly all like, yes, amen. <laughs> Food. Come on, somebody. All of the above, all of those, all of those. Any others? What do you look forward to the most at Christmas? I love the Christmas carols. The Christmas carols. There is a Christmas carol tragic in every crowd. Who plays Mariah Carey Christmas CD at full volume? Come on, come on, come on. We've got, look, don't be sheepish. Don't, there's not, you do not need to be ashamed. Mariah Carey Christmas album is traditional. You walk into a shopping centre, you hear it. All I want for Christmas is you. What'd you say? Michael Bublé. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. (laughs) Bublé, schmooblé, I can outsing. No, anyway, carry on. Here we are. Sorry, pay attention. All right, I'm going to help you out, okay, because there's lots of different uh, responses, which I expected, and that's great, and they're all great things. I'm going to narrow it down to four, okay, and we're going to do a little bit of a poll. All right, so you're going to put your hands up. Please, and the youth are bad at this too, you can only vote for one, okay? You do not get split votes, multiple votes, sitting on the fence votes. You have to choose one. So we've got food. Somebody already said food. Gifts. Nobody said gifts. That's interesting. Maybe we're just being, I don't know. We're all adults here. And Your family. There are quite a few family. And then Christmas movies. Come on, Home Alone, somebody. Oh! That helped me. That, that just that broke the internet, and it helped me scream. You know how the Macaulay Culkin does that. Ah. Okay, so one one hand, one vote. Don't not vote, because that's half the users sitting there going. You got to vote, all right? It's a poll, so I need your votes. This is very important, and we will determine the outcome of the preaching. No, it doesn't. But okay, the food. All right, so there's some honest people. One, two, three, yeah, about three. Okay, that's good. Uh, the gifts. Oh, we're all being, it's better to give than to receive. Oh, there's someone that's honest. Come on. Ross, take note. You better have bought a really good gift. So, was there a hand of James, if you're being really honest, is it gifts? Okay, okay, that's all right. Your family. Yeah, okay. Overwhelming. People don't like Macaulay Culkin. Christmas movies. Yes. There's always a few. Yes. What's your favorite Christmas movie? You have no idea? You just love him? Isn't that elf one cool? Like, in the, he, Isn't he funny? 
No, he's stupid. Okay. <laughs> anyway, there are so many wonderful things to look forward to, right? But I'm going to be honest, this time of year, and I'm not sure, is, is everyone honest in this church? I hope so. If we're going to be honest, sometimes we can catch ourselves at the Christmas season making it a little bit more me-focused, maybe. Maybe, just a little bit. You know, we're saved and we, you know, we say the right things, but let's be honest. Sometimes we make Christmas a bit more about us. Like, I'm sure you've said this if you work and you're in a job that's like, huh, I can't wait for my Christmas break. Can't wait for the holidays. Yeah, you see, there, there, I, there's one honest person in the church. Uh, what about, what should I put on my Christmas list? Now, nobody said gifts. But are you thinking about what you're going to buy yourself for Christmas? I don't know. Are you justifying a purchase by going, oh, well, that's a Christmas present, so I can get that. What about, uh, you know, who eats fruitcake here? Christmas fruitcake. You know, that's my third slice of fruitcake. Get your hands away, because that's mine. Uh, We've heard phrases like, I just said it, Jesus is the reason for the season, or, you know, it's about what you give, not what you get, those kind of things. But no matter how many of these reminders that we get, it's still easy, I think, to, at times, make Christmas all about us. And uh, maybe we're all, you know, saints in here and that's not true. But the world is like that. We can agree with that, can't we? Making Christmas about me. You know, by the time January arrives, we might look back on Christmas and Christmas Day and, and determine how amazing it was, whether it was good or bad, based entirely on maybe what we received or what we experienced. You know, were my gifts good? Or did I get socks and undies again? All the men said, yeah, yeah, that's, that's me. Socks and undies again, you know. Talk to my children about socks and undies. Uh, what about the food, you know, the, the, the food burnt or <laughs> exploded or something terrible happened with the food and it was a terrible experience. Um, was everyone nice to me? You know, it's a bit of a tender hooks time for some people that get together with family and maybe that's the one time of the year where you come together and it always ends in maybe a family feud or fight or something like that. So, you know, maybe you're judging your Christmas based on how well that went. You know, is it wrong to have a great Christmas gift or fun with the family and delicious food? No way. It's not wrong. You know, we all like a bit of Christmas cheer. Uh, But when we spend Christmas focusing on what we want or what we get or what we hope for or what we expect, you know, there's a good chance we're going to be disappointed by the outcome because it doesn't always work out how we want it to work out, does it? We've got this dream of the perfect Christmas and does it happen? Not necessarily. Well, what if, uh, what if I told you that this Christmas could be amazing, even if your gifts are terrible, yeah, even socks and undies, fellas, Uh, even if your gifts are terrible, even if the food burns, even if your family fights the entire time, you can have a great Christmas. What if we're not meant to be the main focus of Christmas and you know where it's heading? Uh, Christmas isn't about what you and I get or experience. What if there's something much bigger going on? What if it really is true that it's better to give than to receive? And I believe it is. I think the answers to all of those questions could actually change Christmas for everybody under the sound of my voice, watching at home, listening here. Uh, And so we're going to look at that today. So if Christmas was really um, all about me, my hopes, my I'm talking Pastor Jeremy, PJ, it's all about... So I'm PJ apparently now because this is a youth thing, so you can call me PJ. Half of you do anyway, so that's all right. Our youth call me PJ for Pastor Jeremy. Uh, If Christmas was all about me 
uh, my hopes, my desires, what I dreamt for. You know, I, I, I was born in Victoria. Uh, don't, don't stone me. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, I moved up to Queensland when I was nine. And I've been in Queensland ever since. And I'm now 44. So do the maths. Uh, that's 35 years I've been in Queensland. So I go for Queensland in state of origin. And we won. So awesome. Up the Maroons. Come on. I had a T-shirt I was going to wear and my wife wouldn't let me. Not right. It's not all your fault. Anyway, up the maroons. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm a Queenslander, and all of that time from nine till uh, almost eight years ago when we moved here, I lived on the Sunshine Coast, and it's beautiful there, like beaches and, and all that. It's a bit hectic now though. Now that I've lived here, I've been ruined for the coast and the city. It's too busy. It's too hectic. Give me Stanthorpe any day in regards to traffic, no traffic lights, all of that stuff. Uh, but I love a good relax on a beach, and I still do. So, you know, if I was going to show you a picture that depicted my comfortable Christmas, that's a picture of me in the hammock. No, it's not a picture of me, uh, but it's uh, someone in a hammock just on a beach. Does anyone like that? Yeah? Who would, who, who's that? Is that your comfortable Christmas? You know? Okay, because, yeah. Because the fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, in a word, I'd say Christmas should be comfortable. We'd all like that, wouldn't we? To be honest, you know, oh, it's all about other people. No, you want to be comfortable, you know. We all want comfort, whether it's Christmas Day or a regular, you know, Sunday like today. Um, we all want to be comfortable. Uh, we want to be feeling safe. We want to feel happy. We want to feel at peace. We all want those things. Uh, comfortable can mean different things to different people. Uh, for you, it might mean life is fun. Who likes to have fun at Christmas? You know, with their family and gather. It needs to be fun. Or there's nothing to worry about. Everything's fine. No more lives torn apart. I love that song. Do you know that song? Grown up Christmas list. And wars never start. Something like And time will heal all hearts. Everyone. Come on, you love it, Joel. Sing it with me. It's Christmas. This is my grown-up Christmas list. There's nothing to worry about. Everything's taken care of. What about this? Maybe it means everyone in your family is getting along. <laughs> Some people are like, yes, that's the perfect, comfortable Christmas. What about everything's going according to plan? All the OCD people, everything's structured and planned, and everything happens on time, at time, at those times, and everything's good, and we finish the day, and we've done it all, and we're like, yes, comfortable Christmas, no stress. You know, depending on your personality... Uh, feeling comfortable might mean all those things, or maybe it's just a few of them. Uh, but no matter how you define comfortable, I think we can all agree that we'd all love our Christmas holidays to be fun. We'd all love them to be peaceful, worry-free, and even somewhat predictable. No surprises, no, no emergencies. Uh, I said to someone, I can't remember, I was talking at the party last night, and I said, Anita and I and the family, we are going away on Christmas Day of all day. We're going to have a Christmas Day service. It'll be at 8 o'clock like last year, uh, one hour, so eight till nine, and then you're released to just be festive with your families, whatever you do on that day, that's, that's uh, however you celebrate. And then we're out of here. We're going on a holiday for two weeks, and uh, I said there's not allowed to be any emergencies, any crises, no one's allowed to die, uh, no one's allowed to, you know, have marital problems, everything has to just be peaceful for two weeks. Can you do that? <laughs> All right, just put your hand on your heart. You're going to promise now. No. 
<laughs> we want our Christmas holidays to be fun, peaceful, worry-free, somewhat predictable. Well, if you know anything about the very first Christmas, and I'm in a church, and I'm presuming that we all know about the first Christmas, the day that Jesus was born, I'm pretty sure we'd all agree that that day wasn't comfortable. Do we agree? It wasn't a comfortable day. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Joseph, her husband, had to get really uncomfortable in order for the first Christmas to even happen. You know, we're talking long travel days on a donkey. Who's ridden a donkey? Has anyone ridden a donkey? Anyone? Was it comfortable? No, no, I don't want you. You're a bad example. Was it comfortable? No. Okay, that's what I want. No was the answer. It's not, it's not like you're riding a horse. Oh, look, I'm galloping through the... Oh, yay, this is wonderful. You know, it's not like that. It's like... <laughs> when you're on a donkey, it's like the suspension's broken in your car. Am I... I'm not asking Carol anymore. <laughs> you love your donkeys too much. She had a, 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 a kid. A do- not you. The, one of your donkeys... One of your donkeys had a kid last night, so that was pretty cool. I should have put that photo up. That would have been nice. Oh, it was goats. Goats have kids. Donkeys have foals. I knew that. I knew what I was talking about. I don't know what you guys are on about. Anyway, so they're travelling on a donkey. It's not comfortable, okay? Uh, Having a baby in a cave surrounded by stinky animals. Do you think that's comfortable? You know? They don't have private health cover. They don't get the room waiting for them and the beautiful smells and the whatever looked after. Maybe a little massage, a bit of a dip in the tub. You know, none of that. It's just stinky animals. And everyone that they knew thought they were living in sin, thought that they were imagining angelic visitations. Oh, the angel came and said it. Well, yeah, right, mate. Sure. Yeah, we totally believe you. Uh, you might be familiar with Mary and Joseph. I'm sure you are. Is anyone not familiar with Mary and Joseph? Okay, cool. Everyone is. Um, if you've heard the Christmas story, you know about them. Yeah, you might even think you know everything there is to know about these two. But today I want to challenge us all uh, to really imagine what it would have been like. I don't know if you've ever done this, but what it would have been like to be them. Okay, so fellas, you're Joseph. Ladies, you're Mary. That's where we're heading in our thought process today. And I want us to get to the place of why the first Christmas would have been so uncomfortable for the two of them. So let's start with Mary. We're going to read some scripture. Um, At this point, I'd normally get a youth member to read, but I haven't got a microphone for you, so I might just do it. But Luke, uh, I'll get out of the way. Uh, Chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. So it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman, the Lord is with you. So right now Mary is just like, what? (laughs) Can you... Okay, Mary's in the room. You're you're in a room and you're relaxing. You're just chill. It's it's just, you know, everything's great. And then all of a sudden, here comes this angel. Boom! And it wouldn't have just been this... You know, we picture this pretty little fluffy feathery. It's got wings and... I reckon it would have been blinding light and... You know, it would have been a little bit more intense than this pretty little thing that we see on the shows that we watch. Anyway, uh, next one. Uh, e. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Uh, Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favour with God. Uh, I'll move away from the speaker. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great 
and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And Mary's sitting there going, right. <laughs> this is intense. Look at this, what we're going through. Look at what you're asking of me and what's going to happen. And she would have been overwhelmed, I think. Uh, and he will reign over Israel forever. Oh, is that all? Just someone who will reign over... Anyway, his kingdom will never end, Mary asked the angel. But how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Right. No problem. Just pregnant. Woo! Uh, didn't even get to enjoy the, the, the you know, being with a, with a husband and getting married and doing it the proper way. Uh, before she gave birth to her first son. Uh, What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Wow. What an encounter. Ladies, can you imagine being in Mary's shoes? particularly those of you that have had children. Can you imagine being told you are, you are pregnant and uh, suck it up because they're going to rule over Israel and so you need to make sure that you give birth to this child properly because it's the king of kings. And, uh, you know, she's minding her business one minute. She's just trying to sleep and an angel shows up. The angel tells her she's an unmarried virgin and will somehow have a baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Not only is she having a baby, as if that's not already uncomfortable enough, but she's having a baby who would one day save the whole world. No pressure, but get it right. (laughs) I don't know about you, but if I were Mary, I would panic. I reckon she would have panicked. I know the scripture doesn't say that, but I reckon inside she's panicking. I reckon possibly wanting to run away, kicking and screaming. No, (laughs) you know probably tell the angel to find someone else. She's trying to hit the unsubscribe button. You know how you get those emails and those text messages and all you want to do is unsubscribe. I don't want this rubbish, so stay away from me. She's trying to hit unsubscribe and and block and don't talk to me, God, you know, those kind of things because she's freaking out. But that's not what Mary did and that's not what the scripture tells us. She, She was afraid and she had some questions, but Mary was willing to do what God was asking her to do. Mary did what God asked even though it meant giving up her comfort. And that took a lot of great character for her to go down that path, to respond the way she did. You know, we've got Mary here. Got to make sure I pick the right one. Here. They could be a bit close. Is this COVID safe uh, distancing of the... uh, This is Mary and this is Joseph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just bring them in a bit. It's all right. They're married, so they're the same family. Well, they're not yet. Are they? uh, anyway, yeah, they, he married her before. Anyway, it's all good. Uh, go to theology school. So there's Mary. Doesn't she look just so at peace? Oh, yes, I'll give birth to the Son of the Most High God. No worries at all. But there's Mary. Wow. Imagine being her and giving up such comfort. Because it would have been way more comfortable to not go through with this. It would have been way more comfortable. You know, Mary wasn't the only one who gave up something to be part of God's plan. Joseph, and we've pointed out Joseph. Doesn't he look just so tall and regal there? Yes, yes. So Joseph uh, had a role to play as well. Let's read Matthew. 
chapter 1, verse 18 to 20, says, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to make Mary, take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. You know, when Joseph found out about Mary's pregnancy, his immediate reaction wasn't exactly, yippee, hooray, happiness, excitement. You know, for Joseph, this change of plans was deeply uncomfortable. So men, you're engaged to the woman of your dreams. Your wedding is coming up. And she comes to you and she says, sweetheart, I love you so much. Would you please sit down? <laughs> I have some news I need to share. And she looks down at her stomach and goes, I'm pregnant. <laughs> you pass out. Maybe you get angry. Maybe you're like, who have you been messing around with? I don't know. Depends on your personality, how you respond in that situation. But remember, the word today is, the world today is very different to the world back then. You know, the world that Mary and Joseph were living in, in their time and culture, if a woman was found to be pregnant before marriage, or if she was assumed to have cheated on her husband, she would have been seriously punished, probably even stoned to death. Like, it is hardcore. Like today, someone gets pregnant before marriage, meh, you know, oh, love is, love wins, whatever it is. You know, uh, we're in a different world today that accepts it. But back then, uh uh-uh. And so you can imagine when she told him the horror he must have felt. Because he knew what potentially could happen. You know, I don't know what Joseph thought about Mary's pregnancy at first, other than horror maybe, but it's clear he was trying to figure out how to keep the peace. He's like, what can I do here? He wanted Mary to be comfortable, which is why he decided to divorce her quietly. He didn't want to make a big noise about it. But let's be honest, he wanted to be comfortable too, which is why he decided to divorce her in the first place. You know, the tendency is for him to want comfort. Well, I need to remove myself from this situation because this isn't good. You know, Joseph wasn't getting the message immediately, so God sends an angel uh, to speak directly to Joseph. And when the angel arrived, he finally understood. And so he, uh, he all of a sudden felt that he could give up his comfort too. Joseph did what God asked eventually, once the angel spoke to him, even though it meant giving up his comfort. He sacrificed as well. There were things that he had to do. Everyone goes, oh, no, Mary did it all. She gave birth. I'm like, well, yes. But look at the culture of the day. Look at what could have happened. uh, And look at how it played out. And Joseph definitely had to forego much comfort as well with what he went through. You know, I'd love to tell you that after all of this has happened that Mary and Joseph cruise on easy street into giving birth to Jesus and there's no more difficult decisions or situations and and everything from this point forward was easy, fun, peaceful and comfortable, but it wasn't. It wasn't a comfortable Christmas. Mary dealt with the discomfort and pain of pregnancy just like any other mother would. And uh, they didn't have no epidurals and no no C-sections and no drugs and no none of that back then. So I was like, push that you know thing out, that watermelon out. And uh, they were required to take a long trip to a town called Bethlehem, you know, in the last days of pregnancy, on that donkey. Uh, Not your donkey, it's your donkey. The one that's... And, you know, 
who, the women that have had babies here, this is days before birth, you know? What do you say to young mothers now that are almost due and trying to push it? Go and sit on a donkey. That'll bring it along. Or, or eat a hot curry or climb a mountain. It's one of those. But the thing is, she had to do that in the last few days of her pregnancy. Can you imagine? It's not this beautiful drive in the, in the souped-up vehicle that we have and glide into the hospital and hop into your bed. and None of that. You know, there was nowhere in Bethlehem for them to stay other than the cave with the stinky animals. So that's where the saviour of the world was born. Wow. After so much discomfort and before they could fully celebrate the miracle of Jesus' birth, uh, King Herod comes into the scene now and he hears a rumour about the birth of a new king. And he feared a rebellion. He's like, well, it's going to be an uprising. I need to deal with this because I'm almighty and powerful and there's no king that's going to come against me. He feared competition. He didn't want that. So Herod decides to find and kill not just that one baby Jesus, but every baby who might be a threat. Because, oh, you could be Jesus. So every baby under a certain age, take him out. So could Mary and Joseph really ever cut a break? Like, this is pressure. Uh, Let's read Matthew 2, verses 13 and 14. It says, After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And that night Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary and his mother. You know, while you and I dream of our comfortable Christmas, whether it was on the hammock up there like I showed before, whatever your perfect Christmas is, it might be on, the, on a property looking out over the... Well, I mean, Steve's place last night, that's, that's beautiful there, you know, just kicking back in a hammock there, just relaxing. Whatever your comfortable Christmas is, we're thinking of that. You know, we've got to remember just how uncomfortable the first Christmas was. You know, from long travel days on a donkey to having a baby in a cave surrounded by stinky animals to having everyone you know think you're living in sin and imagining angelic visitations to become refugees in a foreign country so your baby wouldn't be murdered. You know, Mary and Joseph had to deal with their fair share, would you agree? You know, so why did they do it? What a good question. That's a rhetorical question, James. Because Mary and Joseph knew the world needed a saviour. And they were willing to get uncomfortable in order to see it happen. You know, on the first Christmas, Mary and Joseph gave up their comfort. My challenge from this message, this Christmas... How could you and I do the same? How could we give up our comfort? Maybe you've got Christmas all planned and everything's sorted and ready and it's all organised and it's done, but how could we give up the comfort of organisation and actually do what Mary and Joseph did and maybe give up our comfort just for a bit to maybe make a difference in someone's world? You know, there's, there's a bigger story. What does God want us to do about it? Mary and Joseph gave up their comfort in order to be part of something bigger than themselves. You know, we're all tempted to see the world through the lens of our own stories and how our world is going and how we're traveling. But Mary and Joseph's stories remind us that God is telling a story that is much bigger and better than our individual stories. But what if Mary and Joseph had made different choices? You know, what if Mary had said, oh, I can't do this, choose someone else? God, this is, this is too hard. 
I never volunteered for this. Where's the unsubscribe button? Like I said, I want out. You know, what if Joseph had said, no thanks, yeah, I never volunteered for this. I never said I'd marry someone that's now pregnant. Never said that. You know, if Mary and Joseph had decided to stick with what was comfortable, Jesus would still have been born because God's plans always unfold. But they would have missed out on being part of something extraordinary. Extraordinary. What an incredible privilege to be part of the story that brings Christ to the world. Wow. Sign me up. (laughs) Because Mary and Joseph chose to give up their comfort, they gained something incredible. Something incredible. They became part of the greatest moment in history, the birth of our Saviour. Well, you and I may never be visited by an angel, although we might. It's not impossible. Maybe some of you have before. Were they fluffy with feathers and the wings and the halo and the harp? Probably not. Uh, But we all have the same choice to make, don't we? We all have the same choice to make. How can I get uncomfortable in order to join what God is doing in the world? That's a choice to make. We could ignore that, just go on with our comfortable Christmas, no problem. Or, you know, you'll still go to heaven. It's all good. But the encouragement today is, are you prepared to get uncomfortable to maybe play a part in the story? You know, I had an opportunity. I got saved when I was 17. And it was in an Anglican church that I got saved. And it was quite a charismatic one. So at night they had a bit more lively meetings. Their daytime ones were obviously the traditional. And I told you guys this story uh, last night. And my parents thought I was joining a cult. They're like, no, you can't. You can't become a Christian because that's a cult and they just take your money and they, so you can't be... So they forbid me to go to church. Yes, Lord. Amen. (laughs) So they wouldn't let me go to church at all when I first became a Christian. But on the Friday night, it wasn't a youth group, but it was like a performing arts group. I was part of this troupe called Joshua Generation. It was cool. And we had kids from age five right through to age 18 all together. And we'd learn, you know, maybe it's corny these days, but we'd do signing to, to music and dance to Christian songs and... I don't know, it was, it was just typical of the Christian circles at that time, what people would appreciate and watch. And maybe they still like that. I don't know, the older ones, the young ones are like, eh, that's lame. Uh, but that's the kind of thing we did. Um, and I was allowed to go to that. So that actually became my church for a little while because I couldn't go on Sunday. But there was God impartation and teaching and stuff as part of what we did on that Friday night. And so I was able to go uh, and be part of that. Anyway, this big tr- opportunity for a trip came up. It was like... Joshua Generation Tour. (laughs) We were excited. So we got invited to go on this sort of tour, visit places on the way, but all the way out to a place called Birdsville. Uh, Everyone know where Birdsville is? It's like the last town before you hit the desert. Uh, So it's like 872 degrees. And uh, no, that's a bit exaggerating, but uh, it's hot, all right? It's uncomfortable. Where we were going to sleep, there was no air con. Uh, So we were going to melt. And so we got the invitation, you know, can you come? Do you want to go? And I was like, eh. <laughs> I think I'll pass on this one because, you know, it's not going to be the most pleasant um, trip to go on. And oh, it'll be fun to perform, but oh, it's going to be hot. So I decided not to go. And then my friends that were part of it, you know, got on my back and harassed me. And you've got to come. You're such a big part of what we do. Anyway, my arm got twisted. And I uh, begrudgingly said yes. 
hopped on the bus, away we went. So on the way, we stopped at a place called Quilpie. I don't know if you know what Quilpie is. Uh, and so we went to Quilpie, and there's a church there we went to. And this lady had a broken arm in a sling. Have I told you this story? No? Don't talk to my wife much. Uh, <laughs> had a broken arm in a sling. And um, we got asked to pray for her. She'd only broken it, you know, days earlier. Had an x-ray to show the considerable break in her bone. It was a terrible break. Um, and I got invited to lead the prayer. Now, we all prayed, but I led the prayer. This is me, 17, raw Christian, I don't know, but, you know, the Bible teaches us that, you know, Jesus heals, so I'll just pray and we'll see what happens. So we laid hands on her because there was no COVID then and uh, <laughs> laid hands on her and I prayed and it was just simple because I was a new Christian, so I didn't know all the fancy whatever. I just said, Jesus, in your Bible, it tells us that by your stripes we are healed. So thank you for your healing for this person in Jesus' name. It was that simple. Amen. We stopped praying and the woman said, my arm's really hot. And then she proceeds to take her arm out of the sling and does this. And we're just like, careful. (laughs) But she's doing this and she's like, I'm healed, I'm healed. And I was just like, whoa, that was just so cool. And, and, And then she, just to prove it, the next day, went to the doctor and she said, I'm healed. The doctor's like, gets an x-ray. The bone where it was snapped was no longer snapped. It was healed in Jesus' name. How good is God? Give him praise for that. If I hadn't have gone on that trip, I'm just saying if, God's story unfolds no matter what, but I'm just saying I would have missed out on being part of something incredible. Like that was what just ignited my faith as an early Christian. Like I had just freshly given my heart to the Lord, probably not even six months, and that happened. And that just set me up for like, wow, God, you can do anything. Uh, It blew me away. You know, I know it's easy to focus on ourselves and our comfort. It is, because comfort is important. But this isn't only true at Christmas time. It's true all the time. It's true all year long. I hope the stories of Mary and Joseph and even my story remind you, uh, and it's a reminder for you, that you're needed today. You are needed. And you are needed to choose obedience over comfort. And if you don't, it's okay because God's story still unfolds. You're not going to hinder God by not choosing to forego your comfort, but you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on something incredible, something amazing. You know, Christmas isn't about you. It's not about me. It's not about our comfort. It's about the Saviour who got really uncomfortable that first Christmas day. In order to save us, he got uncomfortable on that last day when he gave his life. You know, many people who followed his lead because of something, being part of something so much bigger than themselves. That's what we're choosing when we choose to forgo our comfort and be part of the bigger story. You're choosing to be part of something bigger than who you are. And what a great choice that is. What a rewarding choice that is. It might not feel like it at the time because we're sacrificing and giving up, sleeping on a dusty floor in a you know, 30 plus degree heat at night time uh, in Birdsville. But I got to be part of God healing someone and that just was like, wow, so cool. So this Christmas, how can you get a little uncomfortable in order to be part of something bigger than yourself? Well, maybe you could be kind to a family member that you struggle to like. 
do I have to do that? <laughs> it's your choice. Do you want to get a bit uncomfortable and see what God might do? Maybe you could volunteer to serve someone who's hurting or in need. Maybe you've got that table set on Christmas Day and it's like, well, Bobby, Sue and Josie, whatever, all these people are coming and it's all set. But what if you had another chair and, and invited someone that doesn't have anyone to be with at Christmas? What if you did that? It's a bit uncomfortable because, you know, oh, we need more food, we need to set another place, we need to... But what if you did that? What, imagine what you could be part of. Maybe you could spend time with someone you know who could really use a friend right now. Maybe there's even people in this room that are feeling lonely. I don't know. Maybe you could, instead of going out to lunch with the same people we go out with every Sunday, what if you invite someone different? I don't know. There's a challenge for someone. Do something different. Get a little uncomfortable. What if you were to ask for less and give away more? Not that you ask for anything because nobody likes gifts here. Uh, but what, what if you did that? What if you were to talk with someone about what the story of Jesus' birth means to you? Wow. You could change someone's life for eternity. Sharing the story of Jesus. You know, God's probably not going to ask you to do anything as uncomfortable as Mary and Joseph, like riding a donkey, although you might. Uh, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> uh, but he's not going to ask you to do something as uncomfortable as Mary and Joseph, hopefully. But do you know what's amazing? This Christmas, we're all invited, all of us, we're all invited to be part of the same story that Mary and Joseph were part of right back at that first Christmas. We can choose to be part of that story where we get to share Jesus with someone, somehow, somewhere, at some point. You know, Mary and Joseph helped Jesus come into the world, and you and I have the chance to continue spreading the good news of Jesus through our words and our actions. What are you going to choose? Are you going to choose comfort? Or are you going to choose to step out in faith? Try something a little different. Maybe make a difference in someone's world. You know, on the first Christmas, Mary and Joseph gave up their comfort in order to join God's mission in the world. This Christmas, how could you and I do the same? I've got a song I want to play. And it's a fairly old song. It's called Send Me. You might have heard it before. And I just want to invite you. Um, if we could get the lights, maybe. Steve, that would be awesome. I just want to invite you, if, if you want God to send you this Christmas season to make a difference in someone's world, when this song plays, would you stand with me? And that's not to make people who don't stand feel awkward. You don't have to stand. It's okay. And there's no judgment in this place. But if you would stand with me and say, yes, God, I choose to set aside my comfort and choose to be part of something much bigger than who I am, I just want to encourage you to consider that right now as I play this song. Hopefully. <laughs> Here it is. We can turn it up a little bit, that'll be good.
Seek your faith. 
Father God, you see each person's heart right now. And we just ask, Father God, that you would send us, use us. We put up our hand, Father God, and we say, choose us. Lord, we want to be used by you to bring people to the knowledge of Jesus. So I pray for every person uh, at home watching this during the week or each person in the building today that you would encourage us, that you would give us boldness, that you would help us with wisdom, 
Lord, help us to lay aside our comfort and not go with what's comfortable, but help us to choose you, the bigger story. Help us to be part of what you're doing on the planet and make a difference in someone's world this Christmas, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we give an opportunity at every Vineyard Christian Church meeting for people who don't know Jesus to say yes to Jesus. And so if you're in this place today, if you're watching at home, uh, I want to encourage you right now. Would you just lift up your hand and say, God, I need you in my life. I choose you. I, I, I choose to let go of worldly comfort. I know I can't succeed in life on my own. I need help. I need saving. And the answer to that challenge is Jesus. He's that puzzle piece that completes the puzzle in my life. And so if that's you, if you're at home, lift up your hand. If you're in this place, lift up your hand. Surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe you've done it before and you want to do it again and make that recommitment today. Well, I want to encourage you. Choose Jesus today. Choose Jesus today. Father God, every hand that's raised, I pray, Father God, that you would have mercy on them that you would pour out your love on them. We thank you that you've done that already at the cross. And Lord, I thank you that today many people are choosing to make you their Lord and Savior. And so, Lord, we celebrate that. We thank you that you died on the cross for us. Lord, that we can be connected with our Heavenly Father, that we can have a new life, that we can no longer be bound by chains, but free to live that free life you lead us into, that everlasting life with you in eternity. So God, I thank you for hands raised right now and I pray that you would just touch their hearts and that you would help them on their journey and encourage them in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Can we give God praise?